Hello and welcome to the Fit Over 40 podcast with me, Rob Burkhead. In today's podcast, I'm joined by alcohol-free expert Carol Uri. Carol is a busy mum of two who started turning to alcohol to deal with the stress and worry about raising her son, who has Asperger's syndrome and ADHD. While she wasn't an alcoholic, she ended up drinking a glass or two of wine every night, sometimes more, just to get that feeling of relief and relaxation. But it also caused a trail of destruction in her life, including the breakdown of her first marriage, not being present with her children, gaining weight, and a whole heap of other downsides. She'd tried dry January, she'd tried sober October, but would always go back to the drink. However, in 2019, everything changed. Carol had a rock-bottom moment and realised she couldn't go on like this anymore, and she discovered a system to transform her relationship with alcohol for good. She's now gone almost a 1,000 days without a drink, saving £13,000 in the cost of booze alone. She's also lost three stone, and she now helps other women do the same inside her 90-day programme to defeat the alcohol monster as well. This podcast is absolutely fascinating, so without further ado, let's get right into today's episode of the Trinity Fit Over 40 podcast. I'm here with Carol Lurie, who helps mums control alcohol with her 90-day program at warriormumcoaching.com. But Carol's got a fascinating story. So first of all, Carol, what I want to know is how did you actually end up here as an alcohol-free coach? Because I know you haven't done this your whole life. No, I haven't. No, I've been in the care sector for over 37 years. Um, So, yeah, coaching, really, uh, I had an issue with alcohol. So I think moving towards that problem um, becoming aware of it and then tackling it as I did um, which is using as you said my 90-day program which is a a framework really and a methodology to tackle your thoughts and feelings around alcohol which is the crux of it all at the end of the day. Um, I had such success that I was um, I just wanted to help women mums in particular um, it was just such a massive transformation in my life. Uh, being given up um, October 2019, I gave alcohol up. And uh, my life is just unrecognisable now. It's just, oh, just amazing. I, I just can't explain, unless you're on the other side of the bottle. You hear people say it and people are like, really? And it's like, yeah, really. But unless you've done it yourself, you don't know what what you know, energy it brings and the good night's sleep and um, the weight loss, you're not bloated anymore, your moods are stable. There's just so much positive uh, and things, you know, good things in life. Yeah, picking up old hobbies, loads of stuff. Let's rewind then. So obviously that's where you're at now. Where were you sort of like five to 10 years ago then before that? Like what was your relationship with alcohol like then? Um... My relationship with alcohol became worse over time, and often that's what happens. Uh, People build up a tolerance to alcohol and don't realise it. And for me, it's probably over a couple of decades. I started drinking, you know, you're 15, 16, off to the local pub. (laughs) My first taste of alcohol was cider, and it was disgusting, but all your mates are doing it, so you think, yeah, you know, get in there. Uh, I joined the army when I was 22, and um, that's got a big drinking culture. 
but I wasn't in that culture really. Um, I was, well, still am a Christian and I was, I did a lot of like church related activities. I did a lot away. I, I wasn't down the pub. Did go down the pub with lots of friends. I used to do night shifts. We'd do seven nights on, seven nights off. So on the, on the morning we finished our last night, we would go off to the cookhouse and get ourselves a big breakfast. And then it'd be, I'd be designated driver because I didn't really drink that much. So we'd all hop in the car and I'd probably have about eight people in my little toll bit and we'd trundle off down to the pub. <laughs> They'd get absolutely slaughtered. Um, I'd probably have one or two and then we'd, we'd end up in the mess and um, they'd carry on. And that's probably when I, when I would have a few bevies. But interestingly, my drinking didn't really start until I became a mum and it became quite stressful. And I was working, I was still in the army when Lucy, my first, uh, when my daughter was born in 95. And I went off to Bosnia um, six months when she was two years old. That was, uh, you get dry tours, which is like no alcohol at all and tours where the commanding officer will allow you to drink. So we had the mess and that's our, that was our downtime, downtime. It was after the war, we were there with the engineers helping to rebuild the infrastructure and providing a, a, a provision for the locals. And uh, I ran outpatients department with the, um, with the doctors there. Uh, so yeah, that was, that started really with my drinking. Um, and then my, I decided to leave the army. Lucy was four and just starting school. I was due my staff sergeant's promotion and going down to Hasler. We were living in where I am now, near Stanford in Lincolnshire. Uh, my posting was at Peterborough District Hospital, which had a military unit. And uh, I decided that I'd had enough. So I, I would really want you know, another child. So uh, I left in the March, became pregnant. I think it was in September. Nathan was born. And he um, he didn't speak till he was about three and a half. He didn't walk till he was about 19 months. And it's that mum's intuition, you know, something's wrong. And I was backwards and forwards to the doctor and the nurse was like, no, no, he's fine. And he started banging his head on the floor in frustration because he couldn't communicate. Anyway, um, he started off at nursery and Sally, who's a friend of the family, ran the local nursery and Nathan was obsessed with and uh, numbers certain numbers and colors and she just said there's not something not quite right and I was so relieved to think that somebody's actually recognized what's wrong and Nathan had um, a diagnosis of Asperger's which is on the autistic spectrum and ADHD when he was about five or six but previous to that when he was I remember his second birthday I was having to deal with all these emotions coming up of you know how had I done something while he was in my tummy you know and, and I was he was growing there and I just blamed myself and I blamed myself for a long time so that's really when my um the wine witch hit or the alcohol monster as we like to call it yeah um yeah and I was self-medicating I just couldn't deal with the stress of it all I was uh, my husband um was out at work so I was I got to stay at home thankfully for the first sort of three four years until Nathan went to school so I was dealing with all the pressure of the teachers and the special education officers the um, educational psychologists coming into school 
um, they had social, the county council had a one-on-one -on -one worker with him. He didn't actually get a statement, which would have made life a lot easier for me because there's funding available when they have a statement. But it was he's extremely bright, very bright boy. He's 21 in a couple of weeks' time now, you know. He's still learning. He's like a big sponge. He's, a, he's just... I've got two fantastic kids, you know. I'm really blessed. Um, so, yeah, school was really hard because I had to deal with it all, really. My husband went to work, came home, and I'd just fill him in. Um, my drinking really started. And I, I was probably... I don't know, maybe a couple of glasses of wine three or four times a night. Um, not massive, but I remember on his second birthday, we used to make a big fuss of the, of the kids' birthdays. And it would be in a, any, when you're a drinker, any excuse, Rob, whether you're fed up, whether you're celebrating, whether you're on a holiday, whether it's your birthday, your anniversary, your mum's birthday, the dog's birthday, anything. When you are hooked, you are hooked. And um, yeah, it ramped up, ramped up big time. Um, Nathan went to secondary school and that's when the bullying started for him. It was a small little village in his primary school and he, he was doing fantastically well, really well supported. And then he went from a small school of about 150 kids to like 1500. And he couldn't find his way around. You know, when you're on the autistic spectrum, there's a lot of challenges. He's very forgetful, and that's due to like his ADHD. What I've now found is by um, doing lots of reading and listening to, um, he's, had, he's got a psychotherapist. Um, people with ADHD are often three or four years behind their peers. So my poor boy, you know, was at secondary school at the age of 12, but really he wasn't 12 at all. He was like, well, eight nine years old having to deal with all that he was constantly getting detention because he was couldn't find his way around school he was late for class I it took me about 50 minutes to drive because he used to get the bus it was it was a faith school it was the nearest Church of England secondary school so um yeah it caused a lot of issues bless him um uh, I think I had every teacher's um email and I would constantly email them I just didn't get the support and that just ramped my drinking up when he got to in fact I don't even mention when he got to seven I think the stress of having to deal with Nathan and my drinking um which wasn't massively excessive at that time um we me and his dad parted when Nathan was seven um you know I was going out with after school, I would go to my friends in the village and we would have a couple of glasses of wine. And then I would go home before my husband came home from work and make sure tea was sorted. I'd sort the kids out and then I'd settle on the settee with a drink. And, you know, it was partly, that was part of the break breakup of my marriage, but also the stress of having two kids, um, but one with challenges. Um, and then, yeah, the divorce came. And wow, that really ramped everything up. I moved out of the family home, um, just circumstances, that's, that's how it was. And the kids, we, the kids decided to sort of spend half the week with me and half the week with their dad. Thankfully, I managed to rent somewhere in the village. So it was pretty stable for the kids.
But um, yeah, I was a landlady at one time as well. <laughs> Started and forgotten. There's all these, all these things you think of when you look back. You know, Rob, they all contribute to building a tolerance. And when did you realise then that? When did you decide? I suppose that alcohol was actually an issue you wanted to deal with. Um, probably. I had quite a stressful job. I was managing sheltered housing and um, we had a change of um, senior management and that was really hard. And I was started then calling at the pub on the way home from work. Um, I'd met someone else by then and we were living together. So we'd been to, I think it was a couple of years um, in my rented accommodation. Then I met my current husband. Um, and I used to park up and I'd sit at, at the bar and it would be sort of five o'clock when the pub opened. So there'd be me and one other person waiting for the door to open. It sounds awful. But if I was so stressed out, alcohol was the answer. Little did I know, now I've done all my training and learned about alcohol, that it's a depressant and it makes you feel even worse and more anxious, you know, it's crazy. So, yeah, um, I'd have a couple of beers um, and then I'd ring my husband or I'd ring him and say, I'm down the pub, we come down and have a beer. Now, the thing is with my drinking, when I met Clive, my husband, he used to go out on a Friday night with the lads and have probably three pints. And then he'd have a bottle of wine over the weekend and that was it. Introduced Carol into the equation and poor Clive, is his drinking ramped up, but he's always been able to take it or leave it, you see, and that's the thing. You're either fixated on alcohol or you're liberated from it and you can just take it or leave it. And that's the difference. And that is why some people can't say no, because I couldn't say no. I would I would come home, if Clive would come down to the pub, he'd drive back, we only would probably five, ten minutes walk, but it drives the car back and then I go straight indoors and I pour myself a glass of wine and start cooking tea. And, you know, I get through a bottle of wine easy. And then I decided to join a wine club. That was the worst thing. Because when it's in the house and you're fixated on alcohol, you can't say no. Thankfully for me, I hated that drunk feeling and that whizzing round of the room. So I always managed to stop myself I never had blackouts, uh, and that's an un interesting subject because there's two types of blackouts. You can have blackouts where you're absolutely out, gone cold, not moving, not walking, not talking, but you have other blackouts where you are actually um, walking, having conversations, looking normal, but you can't remember how you got home, you can't remember the conversations you had. They're fragmented blackouts, they're different types of blackouts, and they would happen to me quite often. So, yeah, I joined the wine club. That was the worst thing. I sent the bottle ramped up to probably a bottle and a half. I think my tolerance was probably a bottle and a half, possibly two bottles occasionally. Um, and I know, you know, some people do far more than that. But oh, it was a nightmare. It would interrupt my sleep. I would wake up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning, anxious, worrying about everything, my heart thumping out of my chest. I wouldn't be able to get back to sleep. It interferes with your REM sleep. You should have about seven lots of REM and you probably get maybe three or four. 
I was getting up feeling absolutely rubbish, having to go to work to face the stress of work, um, feeling hungover. It always hit my stomach. I was always nauseous, always felt tired. And then I would promise myself it would be Monday morning. I'd had a heavy weekend and I'd be like, right, that's it. And my husband said, well, just leave it. Monday to Thursday, Carol, just leave it. I'm thinking, it's all right for you to say that. And I would try, Rob, I would try so hard. And I'd probably get to Wednesday night if I was lucky. And I would swing by Sainsbury's, which I had to pass Sainsbury's every time I come home. And the car would just automatically, I'd be like fighting. I'd get in the car from work and say, it's Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday and I'm not drinking. And I'd do the 20 minute drive, I'd come past Sainsbury's and the car would just go Oof, and take a shout ride. And before I knew it, I'd be getting two cold Moretti beers out of the fridge and grabbing a bottle of red wine and going home. And was there a point then, was there like, was it gradual for you when you went, I want to change, like, I must change this at some point? Or was it like, was there a, a incident or a point where you're like, I can't go on like this anymore? Um. The tolerance was gradual. You People just don't realise, because the thing is, your body gets used to it. So for that 20-minute buzz that you get from alcohol, some people might only need a glass of wine or a pint of beer or half a lager, and they get that buzz. But the thing is, for that buzz, it takes two to three hours of down for your body to detoxify and get rid of those. It takes two to three hours. So for every drink you have, you have two to three hours of down. You can never get back to that buzz. Um, so what you do is you're trying to chase that buzz all the time. So you have one drink, which affects your logical thinking, which is the prefrontal cortex at the front of your brain. Um, your logic is out the window. That's why I, I could never moderate. And people, you can't moderate because your executive functions are just distorted. So you have one. And then you think, ah, and especially if you've got a mate going, oh, go on, have another one. A couple of glasses of wine is nothing, or a couple of beers or a couple of gin and tonics, whatever your thing is. And then before you know it, you know, your tolerance is getting higher and higher and you're chasing that buzz. So, yeah, I can't remember what your original question was now. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I was, I was then saying, was there a moment when you decided that this had to change or stop? Mm. Was there something that went wrong or was it like a gradual realisation that this is this is actually a really real issue? Because mm. you weren't, um, I just want to say, you weren't an alcoholic. You knew, like we talked about this before mm. we started, like mm. there's this thing where everyone knows if you're an alcoholic and you're like drinking at 10am in the morning, that's a big problem. Yeah. And if you're yeah. not an alcoholic, then it's okay, right? That's That's like what most people yeah. are thinking but there's this middle ground that's not talked about yeah gray area drinking it's a big thing um an alcoholic it's like in the methodology methodology that that we use we don't use the word alcoholic anymore it's alcohol use disorder and when does it become a problem everybody's different everybody's physiology is different you know somebody might be drinking two glasses of wine and still have an issue and somebody might be drinking three bottles of wine a night and have an issue. If that's where the grey area is, you know. And for me, I think the tolerance built up to such a point where I needed at least a bottle of wine to get that sort of feeling. The buzz was there, but I just needed that chill out feeling. Um, and 
I think the point for me was I tried to moderate for such a long time. But the thing is, when you are when when you're when your mind is consumed with alcohol, consuming your thoughts are consumed with alcohol, as in me coming home from work, ah, I can have my drink. And interestingly, Rob, this is another thing, and I talk about this on my program. When I became aware. A lot of people are not aware of this, but if you're a drinker for relaxation or stress, just think when you go going to grab your glass or your bottle, just be aware of your thoughts and feelings then. Because often you find you're chilling out when you get your bottle of wine and when you get your glass or whatever drink you're getting. You start to unwind then, even before you've poured it even before you put it to your mouth, because your subconscious mind is going, yeah, I'm going to get my fix, I'm going to get my fix. But it's actually knowing that you're going to get that fix, not actually having the substance, which is fascinating. And my programme goes into um, the sort of neuro side of things and the, the science side, and that's why it worked, because it wasn't until I actually started retraining my thoughts and becoming aware of what I considered alcohol to be and where my thoughts derive from. And he said, when did I, you know, get to the point where it was an issue? It was when I got behind the wheel. I'd had half a bottle of wine, or two big glasses of wine. Sainsbury's was probably an hour, a mile up the road. I want, I'd had a particularly bad day and I just thought, you know what, sod it. And I got in the car and thankfully I'm in the country and it's not a busy place to get to the supermarket that was a big no-no for me I was like what the heck are you doing Carol this is just getting beyond ridiculous now and then shortly after that my son we I he was I can't remember how old he was probably about 18 maybe 17 and um he finds going it gets quite anxious when he goes out and and he's extremely forgetful so he wanted to go and see a friend in Birmingham. So we sorted out a train ticket for him. He did it all and we just supported him. And then he wanted to stay overnight. I was having kittens because it was the first time he'd gone. What Unknowing to us, it was a bank holiday weekend. And um, there were, on the, on the bank holiday Monday, the train stopped. And he came to the train station and he'd missed his last train. And there was only a bus service to Peterborough. Uh, now his dad still lives in the village where, and, and I live in the village with Clive. We're, we're, we're sort of fairly close, and me and his dad have an okay relationship. And Nathan um, rang me up and said, "Mum, I'm stuck. There's no trains. I don't know what to do." He wasn't upset, but my my mum instinct was get in the car and drive, you know, an hour and a half to Birmingham. I hate night driving anyway, but I'd, I'd had probably best part of a bottle of wine. Um, so he rang his dad and his dad went and picked him up. It wasn't an issue, but it was that, it was that. And I think I got up probably two or three days later after I processed everything. And I just thought, that's it. I've done. And that was 31st of October, 2019. And after two or three days of not drinking, all these cravings were coming up and I just decided to, I mean, we've all Googled, am I an alcoholic? Everybody, you know, thinks they've got a chocolate drink problem. Yeah. I've done that. And like you said, because you're not drinking in the morning, you think you're fine, but you're not. 
it, you know, even if you're a nighttime drinker, you know, I've got a client now that only drank in a window of an hour and a half uh, at nine o'clock till half past ten. Uh, and had been doing that and it was really affecting their life you know so it doesn't matter um but yeah I then found <clears throat> Annie Grace who's um an American lady and that's who I did my coaching with uh, my coach training with and uh, it's called This Naked Mind and I, re I read her book um This Naked Mind and also William Porter Alcohol Explained I'm a massive science geek. I love how the brain works and how what alcohol does to your body. And um, yeah, I read those books and I did Annie as a free alcohol experiment, which is 30 days, a bit like dry January. And you get a video and a, a short email every day and there's like a little community. So I did that and then I went on to do uh, something very similar uh, to my 90 day program where you, you dig a little bit deeper. They, 30 days is just dipping your toe in, really. And I managed to stay alcohol-free for those 30 days. And then I went on to do something similar to my 90-day programme. And then I just took it month by month. And, yeah, I'm coming up to a 1,000 days soon. Wow. Um, I mean, I've got an app. I would encourage people to get an app. It's really good. They have little communities as well. And... There was no way on this earth that I thought that I could get to even a month alcohol free. You know, I'd, I'd done dry, dry, dry January and uh, sober October, but I'd white knuckled it. And that's what a lot of people do. They use willpower. But willpower is like a muscle. It fatigues. So we call it decision fatigue in, in my sort of industry. So if you've been making decisions all day, like me, a stressful job. I had a ton of decisions to make. Even the decisions of getting up, what to wear, what to have for breakfast, what to have for lunch, what to have tea, you know, sort the kids out. All these decisions we're making all day. By the time it comes to tea time, you've got no willpower. There's, there's nothing left. It's like a battery. And that's why you give in. That's why you can't say no. Yeah, there's a great book called Willpower Doesn't Work. Have you read that book? No, I haven't. No. I mean, basically, the title sums up what you just said. And it's the same with yeah. eating. It's the same with so many things, isn't it? That we try yeah. and white knuckle it with, with changing your habits yeah. of food. You know, some people do an extreme diet or they try and cut out alcohol. Like loads yeah. of people we work with, again, very busy, stressful mums, busy jobs, aging parents who need to look after children with problems that they need to help with. And again, mm -hmm. it gets to the end of the day and they will turn to food or turn to drink. So yeah. you've obviously changed that now. Like, what has changed in terms of the rest of your life then since you made that change with alcohol? Wow. How long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> Give us like the top top three to five, like it things. is amazing. Um I just get up with so much energy. I just wake up now. I got I've always been sort of to bed at 10 o'clock. I'm not an owl, so I'll wake up normally at about half past five, six o'clock um I'll get up I have some me time so I'll sit at my kitchen table and I do spiritual reading or I'll do a bit of meditation I was doing yoga but me and fitness for all that's why we need to get together because <laughs> <laughs> being beasted for 13 years in the army I have a bit of aversion sometimes thinking oh no exercise yeah uh, so yeah I have a routine which I've never had before I was always get 
I'll start on Monday. Yeah, I'll start on Monday. Uh, I mean, I'll turn to sugar. When I finished with alcohol, I had a massive sugar issue. And I was always proud of the fact that I wasn't a chocolate head or anything. But it was obviously the the wine that was satisfying that craving for me. And I had, it took me about a year to get, using again the same framework that we use with the mindset, I got on top of the sugar uh, because it can work for anything, you know, any addiction, uh, drugs, sugar, even exercise, gambling, whatever. Um, And I became vegan. I just decided I got quite high cholesterol, which is a family thing really. And all my mum's sisters have it. And they're all on medication and the doctor wanted to put me on statins and was like, no way are you putting me on. I don't like taking pills full stop. And um, I, I was pre-diabetic as well because I'd just been, you know, put, pushing so much sugar down my neck for the last year. So I uh, I became vegan and my cholesterol came right down. And yeah, I lost, I've lost probably nearly three stone really in the last, I would say, I don't know, 18 months. um so yeah the I mean again I was going through the menopause um this was while I was drinking but it interrupts all your hormone patterns alcohol uh you know I would get continually flush hot flush after hot flush after hot flush in the evenings with my fan out thinking and it was the alcohol that was the issue plus when you've been drinking alcohol you I was just like a carb fiend. I was like, oh, chips, bread, toast, whatever, pizza. You know, it just it just completely messes you up. And it just messes your liver up. I mean, it takes, it can take up to 30 days to reset your liver. There's something called acetaldehyde, which is, um, is a, a byproduct of the alcohol, which is actually more harmful to your liver than the actual alcohol itself and if that sits in your liver too long some people can process it really quickly that's a precursor to cancer so it has lots of cell changes so you know it's a it's a class one carcinogen it it causes cancer especially the throat larynx you know mouth um esophagus colon liver i mean it's it's ethanol at the end of the day and it's part of what we put in our petrol tank yeah. I mean, if you think about the sanitizer that we're using, it's, it's pure alcohol and that's all it is. They just put a ton of additives and people say, oh, it's good for you because it's got grapes in it. Yeah. What the media don't tell you is to get the actual antioxidant from the grapes. You have to drink, listen to this, 500 litres, <laughs> litres of wine, red wine to get that benefit. Media has a lot to answer for, doesn't it? I think there's that like one Mad. glass of wine a night's good for your health thing. Rubbish. What do you? Yeah. yeah what do you have to say for that one? Because I always. It's just, to... it's just. We are soaked in a culture of it's cool to drink. It's you know that we romanticize it. We we use it to celebrate with. It's like we can't have a good time unless we've got a drink in our hand. I still go down the pub. My hubby, his drinking got worse, but he's, he's fine now. You know, there's so many alcohol-free um, options out there now. Uh, and because of COVID, obviously, I wasn't drinking, not being down the pub. We started going down the pub the last two or three months. And people all said to me, you're still on the wagon then, Carol? I'm like, yep. And I'm sat there with my cup of tea or I'm sat there with my, uh, they've got some alcohol-free Thatcher's um, cider yeah. in, which is 
This like the Guinness, the alcohol-free Guinness is amazing. I'm not a massive stout person. There's like no secco, which is like a secco for these celebratory times. My, my daughter got married in July. Uh, I took my no secco along. I just do not miss alcohol one iota, not at all. I mean, I went to a, a conference and there was these big bottles of water on the table and somebody was pouring it and I could hear the glug, 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 glug. And for one nanosecond, I thought, why? But my mindset through Annie Grace and, my, and the programme that I use has just completely turned it on its head. That desire is not there. And, and people white knuckle it for years and years and years. And it's really sad because they don't have to, because you can dig in. There's always a trigger, Rob. My trigger was my son. Sometimes you have, you know, it has to be um, a real trauma that happens in your life. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff to deal with. But sometimes it's it can just become habitual. And you can, they've actually shown, we've actually seen as part of my course, it's called neurogenesis. Uh, new um, neurons being made. So if you think about your subconscious, what happens is that voice in your head, your subconscious gets that. Well, um, let me backtrack a bit. When you have a drink, you get a massive, massive dopamine rush. And it's an artificial dopamine rush. So if you exercise, the natural thing for the body is to get that dopamine high isn't it and that's yeah. why people can get hooked on it the same with um you know if you're going out in nature and you're smelling your, a nice flower you get that dopamine high if you're eating a food like raspberries or fruit or having something you get that dopamine rush alcohol intensifies that massively and that releases a lot of um, your body always needs to level up. As you know, it's homeostasis. So your body releases a lot of other chemicals to counteract it. And it's the only substance that's a stimulant and a depressant. So the alcohol comes in, dopamine goes up. The body thinks, whoa, that's a toxin. I need to get rid of that. So you're, 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 um, you get lots of... Uh, it's called dynorphin release to bring you back into a, a level playing field. And it's just, it's just crazy the way your body is like, it's in fight or flight most of the time. It just stresses, the toxin just stresses your body out. And that's why you just can't lose weight because you met, your metabolism is all over the place. It's like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, it's just mental and and people just don't realize it and that's what we're talking about the media then they, they, they romanticize alcohol i mean would you well, i remember my son being 18 and they took him down the local pub and they're all and he's not a drinker he doesn't really like alcohol at all thank goodness and they were all banging on the table like get him a drink get him a drink get him a drink and i said to nathan do you want a drink darling he went well what do you what do you think mom i said it's entirely up to you sweetheart what do you want he says, what did you have? And I said, well, I had a cider. And I'm thinking that's probably the most palatable thing if he wants to drink. So I got half. Everybody in the pub, well, oh, get him a pint. I got him half. And do you know what? I just saw his eyes glaze over halfway through that pint. And you know, bless him, he stayed on water for the rest of the night because it really affected him. I saw his pupils go big. He was talking to somebody, he was slurring his words. 
and that was only half halfway through half a pint you know and that's the thing in society you can't be fun if you don't have a drink you can't relax if you don't have a drink you can't go on holiday and have a fun time you know we went fully inclusive and I remember drinking so much in the afternoon I didn't want to go out in the evening and it was an awful holiday I didn't enjoy it at all because I was just I was just out for the count in the afternoons and you pay all that money to be fully inclusive I mean it's madness you know absolute madness were you do you think you were missing like big chunks of life then through that period like not really present for them Absolutely. And that's the thing I feel really, and I've had to deal with all that regret. And when you do stop drinking, we, we, it's automatic to beat yourself up, but you don't be ashamed. It's an addictive substance. It is not your fault that you're stuck in this cycle. And that's what I tell the mums that I work with. It, it's not your fault. You just need to retrain and just step back and look at what you're doing, become aware of it. And I missed out on my kids. I mean, my first husband always wanted to go out. We're not that far from the coast. He wanted to go out, you know, and go and get fish and chips. Um, I would be, I've just been knackered all the time. Plus I had like the housework to catch up with. But all I would do is that he'd go out with the kids for the day and I'd just crawl to bed. Um, and I'd just miss out on them, you know, I, I just, couldn't wait to get them to bed, read them a story and get, get down for my glass of wine in the evenings. And the same as they've got older and, and you know, they, they live with, well, Lucy did till she went to uni and they live with me and my, my second husband. Um, and now Nathan keeps himself in his room. He's a massive gamer. A lot of his friends are in America. So he's, he sleeps during the day and he's off, often up at night. He's at college, he's just finishing college now. Um, and I wouldn't see him for days on end, but now I take time. I take time to go in and sit on his couch because he's got, we've knocked two bedrooms through. So he's got his own little space and, you know, we'll go out for lunch and I'll, my, my daughter lives about 40 minutes away. We'll meet up for lunch and I'm catching up on all those times that we didn't have. Yeah. I used to drop them off at school. I used to pick them up from school. Um, I'd be there for them mum. I love my kids and my kids love me. You know, I've got no issues with that. But as mums, we can really beat ourselves up big time because we think we've not done right by them. Um, but our kids love us, you know, and now I'm just making up for that. I'm just making up for that. Yeah, and same with any relationship, whether it's with your husband, whether it's with, you know, your partner, your family, your Whoever, relationships, my relationships is so much deeper, so much more meaningful. Um, yeah, you're saying about the benefits. There's just like old hobbies. I'm a massive steam train head. <laughs> I have I've actually your Instagram. <laughs> oh, I'm massive on trains. That comes from my old geography teacher. But yeah, picking up hobbies like that. I have to be there at five o'clock in the morning to help the fire, the, the fireman put the fire in and, and clean the engine and, and do all the jobs. There's no way on earth I could have done that. Getting up at f- like four o'clock to get ready, get all my kits sorted and get out the door for like quarter to four, at quarter to five to be there. But that is my dopamine hit now. And me and my hubby, you know, the money you save, good grief. I mean, you know, 
the fraction of the cost you pay on my 90-day program to what you save in alcohol, I have saved in two and a half years, or not even quite two and a half years, 13 grand, over 13 grand, nearly 14. The app that I got sort of tops everything, tops everything up. And I think I've saved 16 weeks of my time that I would have been spent sat on the sofa, you know, wow. chugging wine. It's mad. And 13 grand and in that short a space of time, you could go on like take yeah. your family on a dream holiday. You could, Absolutely. You know, save for a deposit on your children's house. Like there's so many things that could have been to what massive and do now. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was probably, it was probably a minimum of 15 quid. I worked it out a day I was spending on alcohol, but that, that doesn't count all the, like the takeaways that you, you get, the extras down the pub, the food you get in, you know, the taxis home if you're out like yeah saving save tons of money to tell us a bit more about your program then like obviously you can't give it all away because in 90 days you can cover <laughs> yeah. a lot but like who's it for then and what kind of results yeah. can they get yeah um it is like you said it's 90 days we go we start out with what's your why really and i think that is where you well, we, uh, it's one-to-one -one at the minute. I've only got nine spaces left, actually, because after these nine spaces are filled, it's going to be a group coaching programme and you won't get anyone one with me at the minute. So I'm on tap on this 90-day programme at the moment. So we work together about what's your why. So we look at the reasons you drink and then we explore that a little bit deeper, see where it started and untangle all the mess because often it is a trigger, like I said with my, with my son, there's often a, a switch. Um, so we look at that and then we look at um, how to deal with things like cravings, how to deal with social situations. Um, we talk about sleep, we talk about uh, even alcohol and sex, we talk about mindfulness, gratitude, there's an absolute ton of stuff and it's bespoke as well. So when, when you sign up for my program, we do a, what's called a deep dive. So we'll do a 90 day, uh, a 90 minute zoom call and find out what you actually want. And then what I'll do is I'll, the program's a program. You get a video from me every day and an email. And then um, we meet once a week and we do that's where the bespoke bit comes in. Uh, I'm on WhatsApp, uh, so you can catch me on WhatsApp um, like 8 a.m. till 8, 9 p.m. at night. So you've got access to me. You've got access to my mastermind, which has got a load of resources in there. Um, yeah, just there's just loads of love and loads of support. Um, and I think that's what you need for me for the first 30 days or even night. I would say for me, the switch it clicked at 90 days for me and that's why my 90 day program is 90 days because you get all the information that you need and the skills that you need to control alcohol it's up to you after the 90 days but um you have to come to me wanting to stop drinking I don't coach people that are still drinking that may be something I look to in the future but at the moment um you come to me wanting to stop yeah, we go through your why, we look at the neuroscience of things and why it is that you can't say no. We look at, you know, we dig into that big time. And I think for me, once you understand why you're doing what you're doing, 
that's the battle you've sorted it because that's the crux of it all at the end of the day when you can recognize that craving come in and rewind back and think oh what what, what triggered me just there and then you can sit with that because thoughts are things Dan and I'm sure you know if you've gone into psychology thoughts are just things it's what we do with those thoughts and the actions we put into those thoughts so when that thought comes in I want to drink we look at and we talk about it. People look, you know, what's that? Me, Carol, I'm triggered. Okay, let's talk about it. What's gone on today? What's happened? You know, what? And then we play the tape forward. Okay, so let's say you're going to have that glass of wine. Where's that going to take you? What's going to happen? And then we talk through what will happen if. Um, and once people realise, you know, if they move forward with that, the consequences, and I give them science to back it up as to, well, this is the reason why you're feeling like you're feeling. It's just a phenomenal change. Phenomenal. Yeah. But they get like a strategy to become alcohol, to be able to control alcohol, right? With you, yeah. right, one-to-one with you to get that. And what kind of results have people seen on the program so far? Great. I mean, my client, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a new program I started. The client that I've got is um, five weeks alcohol free, has not been alcohol free for many, many, many years. And just got to the point where they decided, you know, that was it. They had enough. It was affecting their life too much. But yeah, I mean, Annie Grace and her methodology that I use uh, has seen over 300,000 people go through the program and they're just um, digging all the stats up now. But it's just, it's just a great success, just an absolute great success. So you will come to me, you'll decide you want to drink, uh, you don't want to drink, and there's a big fear around that, Rob, and it's a massive, massive step. First, to acknowledge that you've got an issue, and secondly, to actually ask for help, and that, that's where my community comes in. I've got ladies that join my private Facebook um, that are still drinking and they can tap into the resources. I hop on um, once a week, do a live, talk about uh, whatever subject they want to talk about. And that community is really important. And that's what really held me together for those first two or three months was realising, listening to other people's stories, realising that I wasn't the only one. It's not it's not a shameful thing to have an issue with alcohol. There's millions of people that have an issue with alcohol, you know, that think it's quite normal to drink a bottle of wine a night. No, it's not, not for your health, you know, if you want to if you want to live longevity, I mean I want to be around for my grandkids. My daughter got married last year. I'm hoping grandkids are gonna come. I'm 58 this year, and I'm thinking. Well, I'm telling myself already, you know, I'm living till I'm 100. I am. I've got a lot of things to do, Rob, a lot of things to do. And I am passionate about helping women, especially mums at this time, change their relationship with alcohol because it is a massive. Once that big domino of alcohol is out the way, everything else falls into place, you know. It really does. Yeah, and like we've talked about before, so some people that I work with, like, we do a very similar process around food, but if you're drinking that regularly, it's almost impossible to lose weight because of the calories yeah. from the alcohol and then all the food you eat and how it disrupts your sleep, how it mm. exacerbates menopause symptoms. So it mm. unlocks everything, as you said. But I thought it was very interesting you said that 
there's a lot of fear around it and I think we feel like we should be able to fix this ourselves but mm. I guess the thing we always say to people is like if if you haven't been able to do it up to this point you're probably not going to figure it out on your own as much as mm. that's and it, it's as you said it's not anyone's fault it's it's just mm. very difficult to solve these things on their own so the, the last question I wanted to ask you is like what would you say to any any woman that's listening to this who's kind of struggling to moderate alcohol? They're trying to reduce it or they've stopped it for a period mm. of time. They might have done dry January, but it keeps mm. coming back in. Like, what would you say to someone in that situation? Um, I would say don't wait for rock bottom. I mean, my rock bottom was just, you know, a rock bottom doesn't mean to say that you lose your house, you lose your family, you lose your kids. You know, a rock bottom for me was getting behind the wheel. Everybody's rock bottom's different, but don't wait for that. And yeah, there is a fear. But you see, your subconscious keeps you in that fear because that's where the mindset work begins with me and my programme is that alcohol monster whispers in your ear. You're going to be boring without alcohol. You're not going to be able to have fun. You're not going to get on with your husband or your husband's your, your drinking buddy. You know, you're not going to be good in the bedroom without booze. There's like all these faults and there's stories we've we've built around alcohol because that's what we do. We have to fill the gaps in. So we have to tell ourselves that we can't do things unless we have alcohol as part of, you know, our our life's. Um, and that fear, and it is, and I all, and I put at the bottom, I think it's at the bottom of my website, and a few other when I post on Instagram, um, action eliminates fear, and it is so true, that tiny, tiny step, and that's why, like me with a discovery call, it's really hard for people to get over that hurdle, and a discovery call with me is I've actually turned a lady away a couple of a weeks ago, because she was so dependent on alcohol and she'd been drinking heavily for such a long time. Um, she needed to see her GP. So if any of your ladies listening, you know, are frightened of the withdrawal symptoms, if you're emotionally dependent, which is 90% of the people, it's okay. We, I can deal with that. We can do some coaching around that. But I'm not a medical professional. If you, and there's only probably about 10% of people that have got an actual physical addiction to alcohol that is not me I deal with people who use it for you know to suppress emotions or yeah just uh, habitual so yeah take the step because it will only get worse and it does whether it's a decade two decades three decades and just think of like with your program Rob you know the one to lose weight um you know it massively affects your nervous system your metabolism's all over you know, your adrenal glands are all over the place. And it's because whether you're binging, just binging on a Friday night or a Saturday night, it's your liver and your body is still got to process all that. And it, the, the thing it does is it wants to, it processes the toxin before it processes any carbohydrates or any fats. Yeah. So you are just pushing yourself right back to square one, even with one glass or two glasses of wine. But you can do it, and it's all about mindset, Rob. And get on a discovery call with me. Let's chat. If it's not for you and I don't feel you're a good fit for my programme, then I can signpost you elsewhere. I've got lots of friends and lots of other coaches that have got lots of other experience in lots of other areas. You know, people use this framework for eating disorders and all sorts, cigarettes and things. So just do it. Just do it because life on the other side of the bottle is amazing.
So where can people go if they do want to find out more about what you do? If they do want to book that discovery call to have a chat, see if you can help them, where where should people go to do that? Well, I'm on Instagram at Warrior Moon Coaching. So you can DM me. Um, you can go to my website, which is warriormumcoaching.com, and I've got a very simple form for you to fill in. Um, and then you can just, uh, it's got a box with a message. You can just put me a message in there. And what I'll do is I'll get back to you and we'll just book a Zoom call, have a very informal chat. You know, ladies just tell me what it is they what action they want to take, where they want to be. And we look at where you want to be because that's what coaching is all about. You know, yeah, we do go into some past stuff and, and the triggers of alcohol, but we look ahead and we look at where we can get you. And in 90 days, you can make massive strides. And then after 90 days, I've got a membership program. If you still want accountability after that, then I'm still available on WhatsApp. So yeah, that's something else that, um, you know, don't do 90 day program and then go bye-bye. <laughs> that's yeah. not how it works. If you feel you still want uh, accountability and you still want some support, then yeah, I'm there for you. Amazing. Well, go and check out Carol, then go to warriormumcoaching.com. I'll drop some of the links into the show notes. But Carol, thank you so much for joining me today. Your story's been absolutely fascinating and inspiring to hear as well. Uh, just one thing I didn't say actually, Rob. If oh, they, go for it. The ladies that are drinking, um, I've got my private Facebook page. If they go onto Instagram yeah. and um, follow the link in my bio, there's my community there. So for ladies that don't feel like they can just finish just yet and they want a little bit, like people want to put it off, but don't, just don't. But follow the link in my bio join my community you can get some support in there but people that are really seriously about that's it i'm sick and tired i've been sick and tired and i've had enough then yeah discovery calls for you so thank you for listening to today's episode of the trinity podcast if you've enjoyed today's episode don't forget to hit that subscribe button inside your podcast app so you don't miss future shows and also please leave us a quick review it only takes two minutes we do all of these shows completely for free to help you so we'd really appreciate a quick review if it's helped you at all so thank you again so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for the next episode of the trinity podcast